lyrics, and I can't sing as high as that guy, but I don't need to. Something, he's something, touch. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I think it's, I can't sleep until I feel your touch. It's, it's okay. It's okay. I wasn't doing it justice anyways, so that's fine. It's pretty hard to sing like uh, Michael Jackson reincarnate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, welcome to the Stoner's Point of View, the show where we provide high-level analysis of music and movies and our impressions of such, while sometimes under the influence of legal Canadian cannabis. My name is Brett. I'm here with my co-hosts, with the co-hosts. First up, TP, the total package. Terrell Parker, how you doing, brother? Man, I'm taking that for my wrestling name for sure. <laughs> I'm doing good, man. Thanks for asking. Nice. I think Terrell, or Terrell, your finisher would just be like arguing with somebody for so long that they just don't <laughs> care anymore and yeah. give they leave and get they counted out. Belt, be like, you, you, you want it more <laughs> than me, bro. Just be like, here's off. why. Here's why I should have the belt. <laughs> Fair enough. And last but not least, the Philenium Falcon, but twice as chewy. Phil Froze, how you doing, brother? Oh shit, I dig it. Uh, yeah, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm uh, I'm a little tired. The the kiddo's been uh, been getting me up pretty early these days. But uh, other than that, I'm good. Glad to be doing the pod. Yeah, yeah. Well, Kids are like vampires. They rise as soon as the sun comes up. Kind of like the opposite oh, I, I, of a vampire. I thought you were gonna say they they <laughs> suck the life out of you. No, but... no, it's kind of like an opposite <laughs> vampire where like they like mm, and rise up at exactly sunrise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. A little bit of housekeeping here. I don't know if uh, you people can see my little stubble here. Uh, there's, a, there's a reason for that. Uh, Terrell and I are both big hockey fans. And uh, both our teams clinched and made the playoffs. And uh, this is my attempt at a playoff beard. So it is not coming off until the Leafs lose. And good news for you, that'll be pretty quick. So um, <laughs> There's really two scenarios, though, Brad. The, the scenario that you want is for them to sweep the Habs, forever to use that against us. Not, not a sweep. Not a sweep. I don't care. I'll take seven. <laughs> but the other problem is, is that uh, the Leafs fans are terrified of the playoffs in reality. They're, they're, they've seen this show before, and the movie ended... In a well, dark horror timeline. <laughs> l- let me, yeah, let me paint a picture for you, okay? So, like, every single time you walked out of your house in the morning, like, someone punched you in the face, right? You'd probably wake up in the morning and be like, I don't know if I want to go out that door. <laughs> like, I've been punched in the face, like, seven or eight times now. It's, uh, yeah. So, anyways... If you don't follow us on social media, please do so. At the Stoners POV on Instagram and Twitter... Uh, get at us, let us know what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show, and uh, if you want to find all of our content, our Spotify, our YouTube, everything in one convenient place, as soon as Phil updates it, it will be thestonerspov.com. So, I still have not updated it from last week. So check that out. And uh, <laughs> I'll, do I'll do it by the time this episode comes you, out. <laughs> can we put a guest book in there and get people oh, to leave us? Old school? Like, like oh, old school fire days? Oh, Remember man, the X page the, guest, guest books? Oh, oh, that was man, social, love, the the social media. Yeah, that I was would social love for media to before. go on there Sorry. and talk smack about the Habs. Then yeah. you want to see me argue. I'll be on our own website just arguing so hard, Man. banning people. <laughs> I guess I was just it. sitting in his, in his apartment in a high-rise in Toronto just arguing with people on the internet. That's, <laughs> that's how I spend my time. Yeah, that's how yeah. Terrell is living out COVID right now. I, I remember. It's hard work, but someone's got to do it, Phil. <laughs> yeah, true. It's true. Man, it's honest work, bro. It's honest work. I, I bet you we could slap a forum in there. Get a, we get a forum up, a Stoner's POV forum. We could yeah, probably yeah. get that going. That probably wouldn't be that hard. You know what we oh, could do? We, do we could just awkwardly uh, send it the website to every person that we know and just send it to people being like, hey, 
leave us a, a rude comment in our guest book. And I think Please. we should have like like a sticky post that's like general rules of thumb. And when you click on it, it's just a middle finger. Like, <laughs> <laughs> there are no rules here. <laughs> Anarchy rules. Um, it's yeah, the we, ECW of, uh, of, uh, of guest books. Yeah. <laughs> Um, There's a ref, but he just he doesn't care. He does not care. <laughs> I, I'm going to allow this. He's there for NHL ref, really, just allowing yeah. whatever they like. Yeah. Ooh, bing, oh, I tied it back. Yeah. <laughs> um, we got a pretty good episode today. Uh, speaking of hockey, we have a, a hockey player that doesn't play because he's actually not good enough to make a team. Happy Gilmore um, is our movie for the day. I'm very excited about that. And, uh, as you heard with the intro, our song is blinding lights by the weekend. Uh, good Canadian dude. So I'm sure he likes hockey. Uh, you kind of have to, if you're Canadian and if you don't get the fuck out, That's what I have to <laughs> everyone in Toronto, all the Toronto, uh, like celebrities, which would be the top three, I would say would be Drake, then Justin Bieber. And then the weekend, Justin Bieber and Drake are are quite uh, vocal about their their love for the old hockey, and they always yeah. rep like all the sports teams. Obviously, I think Drake is a little more into into uh, basketball, but into the basketball because he's a big Raptors fan. But mm-hmm. I know that Bieber wears his like, Maple Leafs jersey like pretty much as much as possible. Yeah, he's actually like good buddies with Austin Matthews, which is fun. Um, yeah, uh, it's good week. I'm looking forward to getting into it. So uh, I don't know if you guys. Have anything else you want to chit chat, riff about? But uh, we can get right into this sweet tune if you want. If yeah, you're savvy. I've I've got nothing going on. So <laughs> <laughs> let's well, let's uh, highlight of Phil's week right now. Well, let's let's just let's just touch on that for a sec because none of us really do, thanks to the hashtag Ontario lockdown, which uh, has been extended another two weeks. Which oh, I man. I'm very excited about. <laughs> Not. Yeah, yeah. You know, like every like all everyone who's like, oh, communism is so good. This this <laughs> is the start. So congratulations. I hope you're enjoying the lineups and everything because they're they just get worse. And uh, yeah, so Phil's like, I've been to I've been to Cuba, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I know a thing or two. The fucking weather's better in Cuba. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. W- winter communism. Yeah. The Russians and us. That's about and it. Cohibas are cheap, so <laughs> the yeah, cigars no. are damn good. <laughs> um, yeah, man, that's depressing. Yeah, you know what? This song is kind of depressing. It's about drunk driving. Just it's, so you know, like, well, it's kind of a love song. When, yeah, when you look but at he's the like lyrics, driving like, to her drunk. Oh, like, for sure. That's what he's talking about. For sure, and and it's really the tale of two stories because when you when you listen to the song, just like on Spotify or with the genius or the lyrics going or whatever. Um, you kind of get this like love song impression. Then you watch the music video and man, the music video, mwah, like kudos to that guy. I, I didn't know. Um, I'd never listened to this song or seen the video for heartless before. I didn't know that this was like a continuation of that Absolutely. or like, you know, all his and, videos for every like album cycle is like a story that all yeah. the videos kind of go together and he plays a character in his songs. Right. So, yeah. Well, speaking of that character, like I, I want to touch on this because the, the first YouTube comment on the video I watched, it, it was so accurate. I, I quoted it because I loved it. He said the, the character in this video is like a cross between the Joker and Michael Jackson. And I was like, <laughs> that's so accurate. <laughs> the music in this song is a cross between young Turks by Rod Stewart and take on me by aha. Yeah, it is. It's a, you know what? <laughs> I, the I production in this song is amazing. Though. There's so oh much to unpack. Goodness. 
because I, I just want to like get this out there before I start gushing. Phil's heard it for years now. But, Phil, how long have I been saying The weekend is going to be the best artist of all time? I absolutely adore this guy. I've listened to him since his original like EPs came out. I've been telling everyone about it. And I just have to say that I'm so excited to do this episode. Like This song, particularly... I, you know, when he came out with The Hills and that was like a really big hit for him, which is like more of like a hip hop, R&B, modern kind of take on that sound. This song is something that he's done before on his records where he goes for that like 80s Michael Jackson kind of dancey mm-hmm. pop song vibe. But it was never like really executed in this way where it very clearly is influenced by the 80s music of like AHA and, and yeah. t- Take On Me. Uh, but also I think there's this modern production value that takes <clears throat> that kind of 80s synth wave stuff and brings it to the pop masses in a way that is pretty slapping in your car. You know what I mean? Like, it's a really sure. cool, fun song to listen to. For sure. And the first thing I noticed listening to this, because, like, I, I procrastinated listening to the song right up until uh, the day I thought, or the day before I thought we were going to record. And I'm glad I listened to it then, because you and I, well, all three of us, actually, over the last number of months, have been really into this kind of modern 80s idea uh it's all phil's uh, fault it's all phil's like, fault the styles i'm on a bunch of mini controllers what can i say <laughs> and um you know like like the songs that we're we've been into could like almost be soundtracks to a movie and i i feel the same like this one fits right in there with that but it's amazing that like it's so modern it like i think this was like the number one song for all of 2020 yeah, it's the yeah, most streamed song the on Spotify. Yeah, uh, well, it uh, it broke a record for being a yeah like a number one single or like a, a number one on the charts for like over a year, uh, which I think was the first song to ever do that. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a huge song, but uh, yeah, the first thing that struck me. Sorry, sorry, Brett, if I'm if no, I'm no, this here, is definitely but, uh, yeah. The first thing that struck me because like the keyboards just kind of come in and it's mm-hmm. like this uh, this you know this ambience. And, uh, and there's the production value. Like you can hear, you can hear everything. Yeah. Like, like you can hear all yeah. the highs and all the lows. Like it's so fat and crisp at the same time. All his and, stuff like, is I'm like this like, guys. I, well, I know that, but this song, like this, cause this, this is honestly like the first song, the first song off this album that I've really paid attention to. And I'm like, holy shit. This, like <laughs> this sounds fucking expensive like that was like the first thing <laughs> you I know thought. what you could get all these sounds out of serum like i there's this thing i'm uh have you guys ever heard of the website synthcontrol.com synth mm-hmm. ctrl what it does is is that this is music nerd stock uh talk for y'all i don't usually go this deep on the go pod deep. but since we're talking about you know the weekend my favorite modern artist um you know phil like i said earlier introduced us to this like 80s kind of synth vibe and I actually love it. And, you know, I've turned, I'm that hardcore guy that listens to Joy Division now. Like, that's, yeah. my, pro- that's my problem in life. Yeah. By um, the way, but- everyone, I'm big into 80s new wave music. Have, always <laughs> have been, always will be. <laughs> yeah. And with The Weeknd, though, um, what's really great about his production and stuff is that, like, if you go on synthcontrol.com, you can basically get serum and, and get all the, like, the oscillator and the bass and the high end and all those sounds. And you can recreate this song fairly easily. Now, obviously, he's putting it through, like, tube EQs. And, like, he's at a big studio with, like, a big board. And he's doing, like, 17 tracks for one synth and probably other crazy production techniques that we probably don't even actually know. Oh, that's running through <laughs> racks and racks and racks yeah. of, of gear. Like, Yeah. And so, but with that being said, 
Um, the production on all of his songs is like really special. Most people don't know um, Drake's like big, you know, record "Take Care," uh, which is really famous and one of the things that really catapulted him to stardom. Uh, was because of the weekend. Like the weekend wrote, like Abel Tisfaye uh, is his name. He's from Toronto. He actually, when he was coming up, Drake helped him, and he actually let Drake use a lot of his songs and that whole sound that we hear today in modern music, which is like the the trap influence from Atlanta mixed in with this Toronto kind of R&B sound that we see pretty much in every modern song, wherever all the highs are are rolled off and everything has that druggy kind of like kind of nighttime driving hip hop sound. Like that's all because of really the weekend, and you know he influenced Drake, and Drake influenced everyone else. Now- Terrell, I, I've heard you say a few times already how uh, how the weekend is from Toronto. Uh, now he is from Scarborough, and we've had this conversation <laughs> before. So, are you willing to make the exception for the weekend that Scarborough actually is part of Toronto? Then, well, on a technicality, Phil, like I know you're going down. Like you actually think you're making an argument, but it is one of the boroughs of. Oh, the G- you're always the like GTA. Oh, Scarborough's not Toronto. Well, it, it is. I, I think that it, that's a very, like, I live downtown, so I have to say that. Like, neither is North York, and, like, neither is Etobicoke, right? But, you know, I don't. I try not to go past Bloor. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but I actually live past Bloor. But, like, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. He is technically from Toronto, but Justin Bieber's not from Toronto. He's from no. London. Like, he's from Stratford. Stratford, if you Stratford, want yeah, to Stratford, really that, get down to Brass. Yeah, so. Yeah. Um, and, I got like, drunk the, one time and peed on the steps of City Hall in uh, Stratford. That's a great fun story. Great oh, I accidentally broke into someone's apartment too. There, thinking it was my friend's apartment. Nice. I don't um, drink anymore. <laughs> uh, I I I feel like this song kind of has helped usher in like the mainstream recent trend of people going down the '80s rabbit hole. Like you got your you got your diehards who have been super into like synthwave and stuff for a period of time, but I feel like this one was kind of like woke up like the masses to oh yeah this sound was actually awesome and still can be if you give it a chance. And now because the reason I say that is because now I see all sorts of people saying you know oh I I love synthwave I want to make like a synthwave album and all this stuff like that and I'm just like okay cool do it. Because it's a sweet genre genre of music, but <laughs> thanks, Trebek. Yeah, thanks, Trebek. God <laughs> yeah, bless you, well, Alex Trebek. We miss you. It's hard to uh, it's it's a hard style of music to write without being incredibly derivative. Yeah, and honestly, I think without the without the production value being so insane on this song, I think the instrumentals on this track might have suffered from that. But the the production is just so good that it, it just it just absolutely you know yeah it, it fucking slaps like it's it's really good but I I, it, I I like that the way you put that and i'd have to give it a listen to go back um because there was like a couple specific instrumental parts that i actually found like pretty awesome mm-hmm. like the, the main hook melody for once like like it might be you know obviously a, a take on some older stuff uh, pretty blatantly, but it's it still slaps. You know what I mean? Like and and yeah, yeah. It, I think the biggest reason that the song is popular is because it has crossover appeal to different ages. Like you can't listen to a song, <coughs> excuse me, like WAP with your freaking kids. 
You know what yeah. I mean? But you can listen to Blinding Lights, even though it's about a drunk guy going to see his girlfriend. Yeah. And you don't Kids see that it. as a kid. And they see this idea of like they're blinded by the light of like love. And if there's like yeah. a there's a subversive or, or they just hear the bouncy awesomeness and don't even care. And I think that's the great <laughs> thing about the weekend that people don't yeah. talk enough about. And one of the reasons why I really love him is that he does make like pop music, but he knows how to like take from certain flavors to make his own like dark subversive kind of like yeah. world within his songs and if you're a really big fan like a casual listener will listen to blinding lights and they like the 80s synth wave but mm. if you really listen to his catalog of work he has like this character for each record and that's what he like sings about and the character mm. is typically like a, a guy who gets fucked up and misses girls <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i think a lot I of mean, people can really relate to it. <laughs> but i think a lot of people can relate to it and it's the way that he does it like i think a lot of people don't really actually understand like how good a lot of his lyrics actually are. And this song is, I feel like lyrically one of those ones that is more simpler than some of his other stuff. I, I like the part, like yeah. I think the, the first verse, like um, where he's like kind of talking about, he's trying to call and he's going through withdrawals and all that stuff. Like mm. I think the song has like a good buildup and I, I like how he uses like Sin City and like, it has like a very, like I think the thing about the weekend yeah. is very like North American. It's, like, really yeah. hard to be from another country and make, like, this kind of, even this 80s kind of, like, vibe and, like, the the the, the kind of character that he creates in his Yeah, songs. well, and I, once again, going back to the video, like, I love that he took it and, and like, put that character on display in, like, uh, a proper story-driven music video. I really loved it. Um, one part that I really want to mention that stuck out is when, like, the, the drugs kick in when he's driving. <laughs> just like the music slows, it's like, <laughs> well, it has a fear and loathing influence. Yes, to the exactly. Video too, yeah, right? I was Which that. yeah. Is just so sick, I think. I thought, Carl, I'm good. glad that you uh, you mentioned, you know, like the build up, because that's actually one of my issues with this song is it builds up and like, you know, when this song like it kicks in like from from the like from the second I hit play, I'm like, holy shit, like this is awesome, like. This is this is this is my kind of song, you know? And the drums kick in and I'm like, I am fucking in. And you know, the verse is solid and the chorus kicks in and it's just like eh, like I don't know, like I I I honestly like I I really respect the weekend as an artist. I really honestly do. I think he's, you know, one one of our one of our greatest exports in recent in recent years uh is his music, but this song, I was honestly, I was a bit disappointed just because the chorus I just found just, it just is kind of weak. And like, and, uh, and then, and then the song doesn't really go anywhere from there. So I, I agree with that. I actually agree with that sentiment. If you listen to the whole record after hours, like the song after hours is like this seven minute, like dance, like Euro eighties, like jam. And like, he has other songs on there that are just so, so like good and different than this song. I think this song was definitely like, you know, when you're making a record and you're like, hey, I'm going to have to make a single. It feels to me like they're like, OK, like and like you go, you know me, I'm the fucking worst for this. It's like, yo, I wrote this sick part. Fuck. Now I got to write other parts, you know, <laughs> and like and like, yeah, it just seems like they're like, OK, well, this is sick. You know, get it out there for the TikTokers. For the memes, you know, <laughs> yeah. we're gonna we're gonna leak it, you know, like a true artist. We're gonna we're gonna preview the song in a Mercedes Benz commercial, um, and uh, that yeah, song like, was made to sell fast cars, bro. Like, let's and, admit it. <laughs> no, and, 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 and yeah, like you know, the makings are there, but like 
to me, it just it feels like a lot more money than than artistry went into making this song. If I'm going to be perfectly honest, I, I, there's definitely a calculated I, feel to it, and I agree with that sentiment. I don't I, think, I think it's a bad. Thing, I though. think I think he definitely intended to spend money to make money with this song, and succeeded clearly. But I I wouldn't discount the artistry at all. In my opinion, I like the chorus. Yeah, like. Maybe it's a bit wanting, but he he revisits the main synth hook, but with his uh, vocal melody instead, which is awesome. Let's let's just give it up to the guy for having like an he's an awesome, amazing vocalist, awesome yeah. voice too. You know what's he funny, is. Brett? I, you know what's funny, Brett? I've actually talked to you about the weekend in the past, and you told me you didn't like love his vocals, and now it's funny to hear that. And, like, and, you and actually listened. You were like, no, Whoa. no, it's it's not that. I will. I'll explain why. Um, you had sent me after we talked about this song. Um, on the side, you had sent me a link to the discography, and I had a hard time getting into a lot of his other stuff. It was it was mostly this song and like a couple others that kind of had the same vibe that I was like really into. But when he would do his kind of more, you know, like R and B dark, yeah, sort of stuff. yeah, R and B sort of almost like uh, dashes of hip hop in there, yeah, kind of sure. style. I was like, I I wasn't feeling that personally. That wasn't my shtick. But and see, Brett, that's where like that's where you and I differ on this, like in the artistry aspect of it, because his older stuff to me, like that's why you know like the artistry artistry of this song kind of comes into question for me because I see so much more experimentation yeah. and and like I, I don't like it. It seems like like and you know the guy's a fucking millionaire. He's happy. Good for him. But that tortured artist. Is is you know now he's happy. He's got his million millions of dollars and his models and his fancy cars. He's a motherfucking star boy by his own admission. <laughs> um, yeah. And I just I like I I I just having seen what he's capable of. Yeah. I just I okay. I miss that you know. But uh, yeah. But good on him, man. He's he's fucking killing it. And at the same time, while this is like pop. Very, very. It's still better than the all the other pop crap. Exactly, and it's it's got more artistry <laughs> yeah. in you know in the however long this song is four, than four the fucking minutes, Billboard yeah. for the last five years. So yeah. what? Good I on agree you. with Phil a hundred percent, and I think his influence now is becoming really powerful. Like he boycotted the Grammys, and because of yes. him, he got the Grammy committee basically fired because he was like, "Yo, my song and my record were legit the best record ever." The people voted me to win the best song and you're not giving it to me and he yeah. i love that about him that he went to that extra like you know down that rabbit hole to say the grammys are corrupt which we all know it's a yeah. it's it's not like made by like what's actually popular or good and i think that's the best thing about blinding lights and that i i really wanted to talk about this because i think the weekend because he's canadian he has like a, a different way of like going about uh, his his the way he handles himself. He doesn't like really like seek out a lot of like pop culture fame, and he creates it with his own like dark twisted world. And I think there's something about that that is like extremely mm. special, and that's why I'm wearing an EXO T-shirt. You know, like yeah. I love this guy. I think that when I first heard him as like a kid that grew up listening to like punk and metal, I never really got like the whole Toronto man's like memes that we hear nowadays you know that you know i don't even i can't i'm not gonna try to say like fam or whatever i actually don't even know like all the slang but he like grew up in that world and he took that and mixed it with like that 80s you know he listened to the cure obviously he listened to that that kind of stuff and he took that Mm -hmm. and he found a way to make that his own and there's just something 
I don't know, un- indescribable about that to me. And I, I think this song is not his best song, but it shows the power of his songwriting, his ability, his crossover appeal, uh, and what he is capable of uh, in regards as an artist that can make hits. One thing I thought was really cool about the, his uh, his Grammy boycott too is that yeah after he got snubbed you know he he wrote about it and stuff and obviously it was upset and the grant like you know like the 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 group behind the Grammys fucking rich white dudes whoever the fuck they are uh they're like oh you know like they changed their policy so it's like not like a private review group or whatever. And uh, and he's still like, nah, fuck you guys. And he like he instructed his labels to not submit any of his future works to that to that uh, to like that that board of people. So like he's he's out of the pool for potential Grammy nom- nominations for the foreseeable future, unless he unless he goes back on that, which I don't see him doing because like he, you know he holds he holds all the cards. You know? Agreed. I was just gonna say he doesn't need to win a Grammy. The Grammys need to win him back. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's the most streamed artist. Like he's making, yeah. he can sit. At, he's been sitting at home during the pandemic, uh, laughing while the, the people are stumbling. He, why would he care? And, I, and I totally get it. Largely because of this song, at least in the most exactly. recent years. Yeah. Um, exactly. Well, but he's been like he like what was this song that was on the fucking uh, oh Fifty Shades of Grey soundtrack? Mm. I what earned it. Earned it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're talking to a um, super fan. I know, like, every lyric. <laughs> yeah, well, but yeah, his, like, he's got absolutely phenomenal sales. I mean, he's he's no Garth Brooks in terms of sales, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, you think about it, though. It's funny you mentioned that. Like, you look at a song like Earned It, which is, like, this piano kind of, like, ballad rock kind of song. And then his other big hit that most people know is Starboy, which is obviously, like, a French house-inspired kind of pop song. And then you look at... Uh, Blinding Lights, which is extremely 80s synth way, but like updated. I, I love that about his his vocal style and his delivery is that he experiments and does different stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's introducing these kind of different trends to, you know, young people that are like in their 20s going to clubs and partying with their oh. friends. And I love that about his music. For sure. Yeah. And and like the thing about him traversing kind of the different styles throughout his discographies is you know, he's showing people who might be a fan of R&B or might be a fan of, of hip hop, you know, but might be stuck in that rut that, hey, if you try, you can actually sing like a boss, too. You know what I mean? Like, I remember years ago when, uh, like, Eminem was only like three records deep or something. And he it was a big deal. Then one of his songs, he sang the chorus and actually tried like he actually put that as part of his lyrics that like, I don't sing a lot, you know, <laughs> or whatever it was. But, like, he, he did it, and it was this big thing that he, like, stepped out of his rap shell and tried to actually sing. And that shouldn't be a big thing. Like, if you're a talented musician, you're a talented musician. And The weekend is certainly that. Yeah. And I also think it helps that, like, the song is produced by Max Martin. And if anyone knows that who Max Martin is, he's, like, manufactured, like, 26, like, number one hits. And I think that's one of the reasons why the song has such, like, a Scandinavian aha feel with the gated drums and, and all that stuff. and Listen to uh, Young Turks, though, by Rod Stewart. I like, know the song. I, <laughs> I was like, why, why, why does this song make me think of Rod Stewart? I'm like, I'm like, so I put on some Rod Stewart, and I'm like, oh, that's why. <laughs> I, I, I just think really this is one of those songs that's going to be like a wedding classic. Like, you're going to hear this at parties for the next 20, 30 years, easy. Oh. It's just I, you're not going to avoid it. If this if this comes on a playlist, a random playlist, like I'm not skipping. 
Like, yeah. I'm I'm listening to the whole thing for sure. Well, he um, is like he is like a modern Michael Day Jackson minus being dead and one other thing. Yeah. Being white. Uh sure, let's go with that. <laughs> um okay. Well, that's as good a reason as any to get get to our rankings. So I'll go first. Um This is a really good tune. Really good tune. I really liked it. I'm glad we covered it. Um the only thing I say is if all his songs were this style, he'd probably be my favorite artist, like, ever. Like, he'd probably be number one on my list now. Because this song is great, and I really like the style, and I really like his voice. If, if he couldn't back it up with the chops vocally, it might, not, it might not work for me, but he does in spades. So, uh, yeah, I, I loved it. If you listeners out there are sleeping on the weekend, wake the hell up, because... He's awesome. Uh, giving this song an 8 out of 10. You know, what can, I, what can I say? I'm a super fan, so I'm obviously going to only say good things. Um, for me, I actually first heard of The Weeknd. I heard of this, my, one of my, my all-time favorite song of his to this day is the first song I ever heard by him. It's called Wicked Games. If you've never heard it before, put it on. It has, like, the most depressing darkest r&b vibe you'll ever hear in a song and it's its own genre um and i was stoned at my parents house it was on late night on much music it came on and i like sat up and i was like this is like a, a new kind of rock music i thought i felt it was like it was different and i still feel like his music like hits me that way like when his new records come out i honestly like i'm waiting by spotify and i sit there and i get super baked and i listen to the whole thing through and then i do it again and then I late do it at again. night. It has to be late <laughs> at night, though. Oh, and his records are the best stuff to listen to while driving. If you're driving at nighttime, I just think there's something, there's a connection there. And this song is just, you know, it's just a string of, of another one of his hits. It, it does this thing where it modernizes 80s synthwave. It brought it to the masses. Um, I love the deviant kind of lyrics, which is his, like, specialty, where it's, like, this dark subject matter about turning into kind of people interpreted as, like, love. And I just can't say enough good things about him. He's from Toronto. He's my favorite musician, other than, like, some hardcore shit that no one likes. So, yeah, with that being said, uh, I'm going to give it an 8.9, because I think if we were ever to cover other songs, I would give them in, like, the 9 range. Um, This song isn't my, like, Phil's probably going to say, it's not my favorite song by him. Uh, Wicked Games is probably my favorite song by him. Uh, but I have many songs that I, I jam by him, and uh, this is definitely one to to keep your eyes on, keep listening to it. It's it's classic. Oh boy, uh, this is the part where I know that you guys are just going to give me a hard time during the break. Uh, so this song, all in all, the production is insane. It's so great. I've 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 kept on harping about that because that is the standout element in this song. I think I think the production is what 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 saves this song from from mediocrity. Uh I think it falls flat creatively uh on in the vocals uh and on the dynamic of the song. It's the di- the lack of dynamics in the song. It starts off really strong and just kind of disappoints me because there's no payoff to the song. Even the way it ends it like it has an ending very similar to a song that I'm working on that's not finished right now. Um, not to compare myself to to the to, you know to people of that level. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, Phil writes stuff just like the weekend guys. No, no, no. <laughs> but like, like it's just like it's, it sounds like you know when you, when you don't have 
an ending for a song yet. And it's, you know, it's in your DAW and it just kind of just trails off, you know? Um, it's, it's, you know, again, the weekend have loads of respect for him, but to me, this is just, it's an example of like a really talented artist kind of falling victim to the record executives and, and the money aspect and, and rushing art out. Uh, so again, you know, I think a lot more money than passion went into this song. I'm going to give it a four out of 10. Wow. That's kind of, it reminds me of like, you know, Deftones when they came out with Change of the House of Flies and it was this huge hit for them. Mm-hmm. But you could tell that wasn't like their best song, you know? Yeah, like they, yeah. And I, well, I kind of get... And, and like, I give it that rating because I'm I'm holding the weekend up to his own standard that he's set. And that's and, why I give it such a low rating. Right, and the exemplary standard of... Uh... Two Princes by the Spin Doctors. Yes, yes. So, so Phil, just so I don't like eviscerate you in the break, just give me what's your favorite weekend song then, like so I can kind of forget this travesty that you just laid on us with this ranking. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly, uh, I, I could, I couldn't even tell you to be honest with you. I'm just, I've from what I've heard, it's just, it's all very intriguing. All right, just I'm shut not, up. Just yeah, say Wicked yeah, Games and Wicked, we'll, go to break. well, yeah, Wicked Games <laughs> is probably my favorite one, but. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's just you know I've just I've just heard him do so fucking much better. That's fair. You're allowed apparently, to have your apparently hundreds of thousands of people, if not millions, around the world have not. But hey, that's okay. No, no. Who sells more records? No, Phil, than... they're wrong. They're wrong. You're right. They're all wrong. <laughs> you know who sells way more records than the weekend? Garth Brooks. <laughs> the weekend's actually sold seventy five million. Record. 150 He's, million for Garth Brooks. I know, but he is still one of the best-selling <laughs> artists of all time. And well, I know that you're. <laughs> this, is amazing, this is an amazing discussion. I want to keep it going for a sec. Garth Brooks has like three x the tenure of the weekend as well. So we have to revisit this conversation in like 20 years. And it's not like Garth Brooks is like the Beatles or Rihanna or like Michael Jackson or Elvis Presley who've sold like 250 million records. He's he has definitely been around for a while, but, you know, like, dude, like, come on. Like, even, like, Taylor Swift is, I'm pretty sure, sold more records than the yes, old she has. She has. Taylor, so. Taylor Swift's awesome, though. I, the thing is, I knew this me. argument was going to come up, and <laughs> record sales do not equate to good music. You know, like, uh, uh, because I, because I, I, do agree. I sold a shit ton of records as well. I, I, so I, I don't think that that's really a, a, a valid argument. I, I bet you if you said that to Garth Brooks, he would country punch you in the dick. <laughs> no, he'd probably be like, you know what? No, he he'd be really nice to my face and then go murder a child somewhere. That man is a psychopath. Okay, He's a serial killer. On the same token, I because I I tend to agree with you that record sales don't equal uh you know quality or whatever. Um, however you put it, but he's also like the most streamed artist ever, and you don't pay shit for that. So. That means that people want to hear this song and want to listen to this song. Well, that's what record sales mean as well. I mean, that means people want to buy the song. Yeah. Right. I I I I I, do, I see two sides. Or I know I, I see two sides of the same coin there because, like, record sales is just that's just an antiquated metric of the same thing. People are buying your music, streaming. You're still getting you're still Here, getting revenue. Here's from a different that. argument. Okay. The weekend started releasing. He's been active from 2010 on, so he's been active for 11 years. Now let's look at Garth Brooks. I'm on Wikipedia. I'm looking at a list of best. <laughs> no, no, no. So, and he's been active from 1989 to present. Okay. I wonder how long has Justin Bieber been active for? 
well, I'm not sure. Well, You're a bigger you look, Bieber fan, apparently, than well, I am. You look yeah, Bieber has more say, record sales as we, well. We can't, say, we can't say that the metric is an, antiquated when this song was like the most popular song in 2020, which was just last year. So the me- the metrics not antiquated if you're comparing sales and streams. And uh, well, Bieber sold, record record uh, sold as many records as he sold as many records as the weekend, Phil. So uh, yeah, might want to do. So your there research. we go. So are we saying <laughs> that Bieber's a great artist? No, he's literally one of the worst. He's exactly. like a he's like those um you know when you get a potato and it gets those weird things growing out of it. He's like that's what he is. <laughs> <laughs> but but no, I don't think anybody's disputing that The Weeknd is a great artist. Like no one's trying to make that that claim right now, right? Yeah, like, I'm but I'm also not. but like this song didn't sell 75 million uh, uh, records, and this 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 song is not why he's the most streamed artist out there. It, it's his his entire catalog accounts for that. And, I, you know, I, I that's, agree. It, it all that's plays, what I'm saying. You know, like, it all exactly. plays a, it all plays a part, but you can't argue the popularity of this song either. I'm not arguing the popularity. Okay, I'm just saying that I I just I particularly do not really think that this song is all it's cracked up to be, in my opinion. Oh, I get where Phil's sure. coming from, and there there is better weekend songs, and yeah. that uh, well, let's leave it at that, guys. There's better songs <laughs> yeah, yeah. by the weekend. Uh, Brett, I I feel like Brett's coming from the world like. You know, let me just say, Brett has always had a more pop-leaning kind of uh, yeah. aesthetic to the, what he likes in music. And so, obviously, a song like Blinding Lights, it's a pure banger from the pop perspective. For sure. So, and it, it even goes beyond that, though, because I would say that I don't necessarily agree. Like, the argument being made relative to his body of work, okay, that's fair. I don't have a ton of experience in his body of work. But... Trying to make some claim about a lack of of artistry and a lack of musicianship and a lack of dynamics in the song, I I just plain don't agree. I think that it was all there. I, okay. think, I think it was all. I there. think you guys should fight. And that's the nice thing about <laughs> art is that it's subjective. So. Absolutely, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, but people so... can have bad opinions, Phil. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> <laughs> like you can be subjective and be like, mm, I I love liver. Like, and you're wrong. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> some people like olives, some don't, but olives are good and you should like them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's the pineapple on pizza debate all over again. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah, that's as good a place as any to, uh, to cut off the song portion of our show. <laughs> so uh, we are going to take a brief respite. And uh, we will talk to you all after the jump. Welcome back to the second half, Stoner's Point of View. We're about to get into some Adam Sandler good stuff here. Uh, Happy Gilmore, the movie that you definitely have seen part, if not all of. And if you say you haven't, you're a dirty liar. Because uh, back when network television was a thing, um, it would be on at least one station anytime you'd flip through the guide almost and uh i had a bad habit of whenever it was on leaving it on and whatever place it was in the movie i would watch it to the end because this is one of my favorite movies um certainly one of my favorite comedies but i i I think it's up there with with all-time movies for me because it's it's very good um and uh, something you'll like right off the bat, Phil. Uh, Ninety-minute runtime, almost right on the dot. Oh yes, yeah, I believe it's like one thirty-one something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I always check that now at the start of a movie. I'm like, 
Nice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and something that we'll all appreciate, the music overall in this movie is quite awesome. Starts off with Tuesday's Gone by Skinner. Come on, man. Yeah. So good. I love it's that. Dude. Very good. And, and like, I love that it's doing the, the introductory montage about his upbringing and like the hockey obsession. It, it's kind of dark, actually. Like, it, it, it stems from it's his relationship. It's super dark. Are you, his dad dies at a hockey game. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and that's where his hockey obsession stems from, whether or not he's good at it. Like, he feels like he has to do this because, like, he's got this. It's right. You know, it, it's really dark for us because he's a Bruins fan. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Me and you. We may not agree on a lot when it comes to hockey, but I fucking hate the Bruins. Fuck the Bruins. <laughs> um, Why do you guys hate the Bruins so much? Uh, well, uh, because they've been really good for like 10 years now. <laughs> and I think that they're, they're pretty dirty. They're pretty dirty, too. They're a dirty team. I think I think they get away with a lot because of their legacy in the NHL. And um, their and, owner is like a majority shareholder in the NHL or something like that. Yeah. Like, but I will, I will say this about the movie. The thing right yeah. off the bat, it talks about, his, you know, we're talking about his childhood. One thing that I really didn't realize now until I was stoned is why the hell are they wearing the reverse retro Oilers and Canucks jerseys? Like, like they're big Boston fans, but their dad is wearing the blue and orange. And, I don't know, Happy's wearing blue and orange, and his dad's wearing the blue and green. How the heck do they like the Oilers in Vancouver? Fuck those teams, especially. Well, we got to remember when this movie came out, they weren't always tire fires of teams. Um, <laughs> Were they, was Vancouver good in the 90s? I don't know. The remember. Oilers weren't. The Oilers it, weren't, for sure. Yeah, true. The Oilers started to fall apart right in the early 90s, yeah. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, his dad was killed at a game, kind of uh, sparks this hockey obsession, and then uh, he's telling the story. I love the part about the grandma and Gene Simmons. I should wear a Gene Simmons mask to cheer him up when he was old. And, like, instead of being cheered up, he's just terrified at first. <laughs> and it pulls it off and smiles, and... My favorite part, as you guys probably could guess, is when it's showing all of his jobs and he's just using everything, everything like a dick. <laughs> like, uh, like the gas station. I, I haven't seen this movie since I was younger, but like just like seeing him like with the gas pump using it as a dick and spraying gas out, you're like, oh wow, that's incredibly dangerous. I, I love <laughs> well, the scene where as part of sorry, go ahead, Brett. No, I, I was just gonna say, um, like it's it's a running gag that I I believe all of us do, but for sure I know Phil and I do, where we'll just, like, to our wives, we'll grab random objects around the house and be like, hey, honey, look, it's like this, whatever it is, is my dick. Yeah. I, I, I do it with, like, frying pans, like, pencils, whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, it's actually, it's actually a, a Trailer Park Boys reference, another very Canadian thing for our, our non-Canadian listener. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's like, it's uh, Ricky. He's like, oh, it's, it's like, it's, uh, I think it's a hockey stick. It's like the hockey stick's my cock. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think my favorite scene in this whole opening montage is the whole making the team part where like it shows him beating up guys and he can't skate, can't handle the puck. It's my puck, baby. Don't <laughs> yeah. you ever touch my puck again. Yeah, and yeah. then he does that insane slapper that like breaks the glass where the coaches are talking about how awful he is. And I love that whole scene where he like beats up the coach. Like it's just so like, the, he's like, what about school. me? It's like, Oh, Gilmore. You, I called your name. Didn't you? He's like, no, 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 you didn't. He like looks at this. He's like, well, Better luck next year. <laughs> you know, and like happy <laughs> starts feeding him. Um, I love that uh, Sandler plays. I want to talk about this. Sandler's so good at playing like the angry guy kind of role. He makes that so funny. Like I find that a lot of characters when they try to be like this angry person, it's not funny. 
Like, yes. it's kind of stupid, but I find that, like, in Phil's background picture is a great scene of him being yeah. angry, happy Gilmore, even though his name's Happy. I love that scene, and I love the scene after where his, like, girlfriend leaves him, uh, yeah. and he's talking to the thing. I love the part where he's arguing with her, he's like, you're a lousy kindergarten teacher. I see those winter pigeons you bring home, and they suck. <laughs> and then, he, and then he, like, apologizes. Yeah. He's like, oh, I love you, baby. Baby, I love your finger pains. Come on back upstairs, baby. <laughs> I love how he associates, sh- like, kids' shitty finger painting with her being a bad <laughs> teacher but i was gonna say too like with the character of happy like he's this rough and tumble guy just willing to throw down at any given moment like of course he's a bruins fan yeah yeah he's, yeah. A, he's a 90s enforcer that played on the um, bruins basically another scene i like in that opening montage and it kind of sets up the movie for later is when he shoots his boss with a nail gun <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh yeah, so that's that's a little side note we'll get to. But yeah, back to the intercom thing. So like he has the breakup over the intercom with his girlfriend, and then I love he's like starts singing like to the closes in and just like <laughs> and and then all of a sudden like knock on the door and he he looks over, he's like, babe. And it's like the Asian lady who heard him singing through the intercom and like the and actual like, song comes on, it's like to the night. <laughs> it's like yeah well I, it just shows him wake up and leave and then yeah there's there's the asian lady you know on breakfast well and that's the yeah that's the funny part is like you think that like maybe he rejects her or whatever right but then he gets up for the next day and she comes out and it's like, oh he just like decided to cut his losses and stick with the asian lady um oh man yeah speaking of, on that was great speaking <laughs> of adam sandler and breakfast um, this little side note, you guys hear this IHOP story about oh. Adam Sandler and his daughter were at an IHOP and they weren't seated uh, because like the server was just like, yeah, like had no idea who he was and was just like, yeah, we yeah, like it's going to be like a 30 minute wait. And, you know, kudos to the guy. Like he didn't try to big league or, or be a star or anything. He just said, OK, you know, took his daughter and left. But the server realized afterwards when the next person came in, it's like, I just saw Adam Sandler in the in the parking lot. And the server's like, oh, shit. Like, and realized that she had just basically, you know, alienated Adam Sandler. And it was this story that went around online. And uh, apparently now IHOP has offered him, like, lifetime free breakfasts or something. You know, you know not cool like that? Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine. He had a similar situation happen and, like, was like, you know who I am? I'm Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine. And, like, it breaks my heart because Rage Against the Machine is, like, my like my favorite band. And, like, he's, like, he's just got all, like, just out-of-touch millionaire on us. And he, like, tweets about it. And the restaurant, like, tweeted back. They're like, no, we know who you are and you're still a dick. Go fuck yourself. You know what? You know what'd be Feel hilarious. Never come back. You know what'd be funny and hilarious. He's like, you know, I'm in rage against machine, and then he like pulls out his phone. And it's like, and he's like, I wrote that. That's me. So if you could, I like my pancakes fluffy. Like you know what I mean? Like I, I, you hear about this celebrity stuff doing that all the time. I think with Adam Sandler, it doesn't help that he's kind of well known for dressing like he's homeless. And we yeah. get a lot of that in this movie. I will say oh his fashion goodness. sense is just awful. Yeah. Yes. Well, and his grandma, that's kind of the crux of the plot. His grandma is about to be homeless um, because he finds out that, like, her house is going to foreclose. And what I love about this scene is he walks in, he sees the guys carrying the couch out, and instead of, like, telling him to put it down, he just jumps up, like, high jumps onto the couch, and, like, it slams down to the living room. Solid move, too. Yeah. 
well, his character, Happy, I would describe him as, like, you know, some people are passive-aggressive. He's aggressive-aggressive. Like, yes. He goes directly <laughs> to the most aggressive action he could take to yeah. get his way. And it becomes a problem for him in the story. Uh, I think, in a way, it helps him get his girlfriend because she thinks he's quirky or whatever. Um, but he eventually yeah. gets told to, to chill out, and that's part of why he's successful. Yes, so. yeah. Um, and... Uh, like how how he ends up even playing golf like is to obviously raise the money to save grandma um but he has to put her in a nursing home and uh, shout out Ben Stiller for being like the he has the best role in this movie oh man so good <laughs> I, and, like, so all of his lines like he's only got a few but all of them are just like you know, quotable down the road, like you will sleep or I will put you to <laughs> Well, any yeah. anytime my daughter asks me for something, like, Daddy, could I trouble you? If she says, Could I trouble you for something? <laughs> she's getting that you could trouble me for a nice warm glass of shut the shut hell up. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think that's such a good like line and I I think like it it's just such a funny scene and like the, I love the part where he's like he drops the uh, the air conditioner on the Meester Meester lady. I, I found mm-hmm. that really funny, yeah. just like because he feed, she jumps on the the well, car when he's taking Grandma to yeah. the retirement home, and she's like Meester Meester. Well, and my, my favorite part here. about that is when he like looks at his grandma after he's like, "Hey, you know the Meester Meester lady?" She's like, "Yeah." She's like, "I think I killed her." <laughs> Back to Ben Stiller. I didn't notice, you know, until this watch through again because I was much younger. You notice how when he pulls out, like he's trying to like give like Ben Stiller some money to like be like hey take extra care he pulls out a one dollar bill yeah. <laughs> hey man in the 90s that was like two dollars all right so um but yeah so uh he, he hasn't really uh taken to golf yet he's he still thinks of himself as a hockey player um that all happens through the, the mover guys who are actually moving his grandma's stuff they're like firing off some drives and they uh, they place a little bet with Happy, who uh, shows them that he can crush the ball like 400 yards easy, which is insane, by the way. If you play golf, like yes. that's really like not possible. But hey, yeah. <laughs> but then you know he gets this big idea. Maybe I can make some money hustling at golf. So he goes to like a driving range, and that's where he's spotted by Chubbs, who uh, Chubbs is a great character too. Um, we get some info on the gator here. Where <laughs> I love when he's like, oh, I, I could have made it to, like, whatever tournament. I could have made it to the pros, but they wouldn't let me play. And he's like, oh, because you're black? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then he's like, he's like no, no, damn gator took my hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But in retrospect, that was some pretty awesome commentary on the golf world at the time. Because, like, yeah. Tiger Woods, like probably the greatest to ever play the sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, there there were courses that he could not play on even as a pro. Yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. That's mm-hmm. uh, that's if you're super if racist. you're racist, stop listening to this podcast right now and go fuck yourself. Mm-hmm. Um but um anyways, now we get introduced to Shooter and uh his eventual love interest uh Virginia. She's like a PR person and Shooter's just this snobbish dickhead who's like a, a golf lifer and like this is his year and uh, there's a great, great little uh, monologue he has about that later on where he's like, now it's Shooter's done his time. Shooter's paid his dues and now it's Shooter's turn. <laughs> Just, uh, um, but yeah, he's a great movie villain. And I remember watching this like super high and it wasn't this time. It was actually a different time I watched it super high. Um, but I remember thinking like an alternate title for this movie could be called like the unraveling of Shooter McGavin. <laughs> because he goes from having it all together 
snobbish dickhead like golf pro like he's like looking at his golf buddies with their gold jackets he's like yeah i'm gonna have mine in like uh what two three months guys and like just you know it's this cocky little bro fraternity whatever and by the end he's like running with the gold jacket that he's stolen and like p- putting it on as he's running down a hill and like anyways yeah he's so just... the actor that plays shooter i can't remember his name it's christopher mcdonald Christopher McDonald, he actually did not want to take this role because he was so sick of getting typecast as the bad guy. But he's just he has a fucking punchable face like he just very has that face. And and uh, but then he read the script and he was like, you know what? OK, I'll do it. And uh, it was like on the condition that he could improvise a lot of his lines. So, you know, he 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 portrayed that role so well it actually created so much of it and, and it's you know like you, you might not remember like you'll you'll remember two characters names from this movie for the rest of your life and that's happy gilmore and shooter, shooter McGavin. McGavin. yeah for sure it is a it is a douche bro name for sure yeah. oh yeah yeah and <laughs> every time he gets so- six a putt there's a few like really good things in this part of the movie and I kind of just like bullet pointed them. So number one, when Happy shows up and he's kind of dressed, you know, in his normal grubby clothes and Chubb's like, glad you dressed up and Happy looks and he's like, hey, if I caught myself dressed like that, I'd have to kick my own ass. <laughs> and then, like, that, is right, good, that is a good golf guy joke. Yeah. And then right after that, um, <laughs> the kid who's his caddy like comes and like grabs his clothes and he fucking grabs the kid. He's like, what the fuck you doing, huh? <laughs> so just, yeah, just ready to scrap like right away I like, mr gilmore i'm your caddy um that was really funny and then um we get kind of the game itself and like he shows off his drive it's great and then we get introduced to his achilles heel which is putting and that comes into it later as well um and he keeps missing these short putts over and over and over and uh uh finally when he gets it one of the uh, the douche bro golfers is like, it's about time. And he comes walking up. Like, yeah, it's about time. Like, I wanted the ball to go in the hole. It just went go in the hole. And like, he, as he's talking, he grabs <laughs> he a guy in jerseys him and punches him in the face. And he doesn't get disqualified from the tournament. <laughs> but well, that, he gets pretty close. He does get busted for being a psycho. Like that was slick. Like I legitimately wonder how many takes it took to jersey the guy completely with one hand, and then and then throw the phantom punch. Obviously, like. It's yeah. a movie, folks. It made, uh, it made 90s, Sandler... 90s Bruins fan. <laughs> I was yeah. going to say, it made Sandler look like he actually played hockey, how good he was at jerseying people and punching yeah. them. Well, that, that one... Like, I couldn't believe it. One hand is just... Woof. And anyways, awesome. Um, and then he ends up getting the hole-in-one on par four. And one thing I noticed... I don't know if you noticed this, Phil. It seems like something that you might have picked up on. But after he smashes the ball, when it's showing it bounce across the green and go in the hole, that was digitally affected. Like yeah, big it time. was. It looked it way bigger no, than no, a, no. yeah. It's much. It, it looks so fake. Like yeah, it did. It looked much bigger than a normal golf ball. That's for sure. You know, one thing I was wondering actually about this movie because like they do all like they always do that shot, like the aerial shot whenever he whistling. shoots the ball. Yeah, and so now they would have just done that with a drone. They must have had to do that with a fucking helicopter back in the day. Like those must have been really expensive, uh, expensive shots to do. Or like a really um, massive crane they would have used sometimes. But it depends yeah. how high it is. Like well, uh, yeah. and the, the distance covered though in those shots. I don't I think know. If it they probably would have been on a. Crane. It would probably would have been on a line or something where they. Yeah, went, yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, possibly something like that. So, but I was just watching that, and I'm just like, yeah, like nowadays they just put a drone up and just like, yeah, yeah. that's done. Like there, there's our afternoon, you know. For sure. Um, so we get our first of 
Well, I guess unless you count the... If you count the intro, it's our second of what is a few montages in this movie, uh, where after he realizes he could get a hole in one, he's like, I'm going to do that every time, and then, like, jump around starts playing. And it's just showing, like, the ups and downs of being a one-trick golf pony. Like, when he when he's doing good, he's, like, celebrating with the guy. And when he's doing bad, he's, like, choking him. Yeah. It's, uh, it's nice and cheesy hijinks. We yeah, I love, hijinks I love all the all little golf all the little golf tournaments. Like, the one after this one, after he gets in trouble and he gets busted but gets kept on because the ratings are high. Um, I love the part where the next tournament they're at, where the I love the the announcer guys. Like they say a lot of really hilarious stuff. Like my mm-hmm. favorite thing they say is, uh, "What a large and economically diverse crowd we've gathered today," and because it shows all like the happy like fans coming in with like their beer bongs and shit. And like I think it is kind of cool, though. I will say that like there's kind of this element where they're making fun of golf, and I think there's like yeah. this kind of cool element that's like kind of subversive in this movie that people yeah. don't talk about enough, which is like which Phil was talking to about, like, how the racism that exists in golf, but there's also a lot of classism in golf. Oh, it's sure. very much yeah. like a, a, well, a, a... very stuffy, very stuffy atmosphere. Yeah. It's very yeah. waspy, we like to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, was, well, he was he was, kind of making it cool, right? Which is why he didn't get booted off the tour, which... Well, one of the things that's, uh, you know, to, to kind of speak to that a little bit more, because they did, uh, they, they had a, a, a golf pro, I can't remember his name, as a consultant for this film. And uh, one of the things that they that he demanded was that because uh, I can't remember the exact the PGA tour like the you get the green jacket right and they had it written that that was the jacket they would win and he's like no 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 like you can't represent golf like it would be disrespectful to the like to the PGA cup or whatever the fuck it's called and so they changed it to a gold jacket which is not actually a thing in golf right right uh, that's. Actually, a pretty cool fact. That is interesting, um, yeah. So we got a we got a side story here where uh, Stiller's got a quilt making sweatshop. <laughs> yeah, it's like a quilt mill. <laughs> yeah. Um, and what's funny is the version I watched, um, and and it's weird because I was I was waiting for it, but I never got there. <clears throat> the version I watched missed the deleted scene where Ben Stiller gets his and gets thrown out the window after everything by Happy. The version I watched didn't have that in the in the run through. It was I had to watch a deleted scene after. Did you did you buy it off YouTube? Uh, I no, I streamed it. Huh? Just I like had I had it, I had it uh I had it that scene in it. So that's interesting. We this always happens. I know. Stoner's point of view. I know. Is it, always, it on Netflix? I can't remember. No, not, no. Not I think I might Netflix. have streamed it from a totally legal alternative source. Well, that's what I did too. Um, Mine yeah. didn't happen to have that. Anyways. That was a little side note. Um, so we got a couple, like, all between all the golf montages and all the little tournaments, um, all this stuff's going to be all over the place. So if we're not chronologically accurate, folks, I, I apologize in advance, but we got some good stuff. There's uh, the one tour that Chubbs is on where he's like, all you got to do is just just tap it in. Just tap it in. And, like, Classic line from this movie. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly, yeah, he's like, tap it in. After he misses the point, tap it in. Tap, give it a little tappy. Tap, 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 I, I, I like the next uh, hockey there or the next sorry golf scene where um where they're making fun of the the poor people and shooter like walks by some people he's like damn it people go back to your shanties <laughs> 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 well, and we get the, we get the alligator eating uh happy's golf ball and, and happy beats the the shit out of a, a very large right. alligator. Well, yeah I it, love uh it, it's it's the, it's the gator I think yeah it's yeah, the one that yeah. took Chubb's hand I love because uh, yeah, when he goes to, when he gets to the, the to the 
Pro Tour, we get introduced to Kevin Nealon. I totally forgot he was in this movie. Aim, he's amazing. Just, he's all into like that, like, uh, you know, like I'm You're just, a tool, yeah. Yeah, like I've I've actually been you know trying to inc- incorporate some of that stuff into my life as of late. I've been you know yeah. meditating and stuff. But you like you 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 see a lot of it that's just bullshit and like yeah. that's like you know like doing the bulls dance, feeling the flow, working it, working it. Like it's yeah. just so ridiculous. Well, and it's like, oh, yeah, like the ball wants to go home, just send it home. Happy. Well, well, and <laughs> even before that, like that's to me that's like after he's crossed over into like Happy's good graces. But there's there's the first introduction of of um, Happy and Kevin Nealon where he's like he's like kind of psycho on the tour and uh, Nealon's trying to like calm him down with all this like you know psycho psycho therapeutic like muse b- bullshit and then um, like uh, Adam Sandler's like oh yeah yeah okay and he's like psycho as he's walking away right and then when Happy freaks out. You see Neilan like just look at him like psycho, and he's, oh, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> back and forth. But yeah, the... they definitely have competing philosophies in life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're kind of all over the place now, and that's okay. Um, one thing I want to mention is when he hires the homeless guy as his caddy, because there's Hilarious. some there's some good stuff with with the homeless guys. So we'll we'll uh, we'll get to that. But yeah, he. Uh, this is one of the tours where he misses the first swing and just like starts cussing like a sailor and like it cuts out to like them watching it on TV so they could beep it all out. It's like the beep, the beep, the stupid beep. It's a... Yeah. I love that the there's always the word monkey in there. It's always yeah. like beep, 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 <laughs> monkey, beep. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and this kind of ends up leading to like um, the kind of blossoming of the love interest. I mean, just to backtrack a bit, it starts because Shooter actually sets up Happy to like meet him and his golf bros on the green at yeah. like late at night, and the sprinklers come on and get him wet, and then he sees the girl when he's all wet, and he's like, "Hey, you, uh, you see Shooter McGavin?" She's like, "No, why?" He's like, "I'm gonna go punch him in the face." And <laughs> but and let's uh, talk about this for a second. Like, there's yeah. a whole scene later that kind of like is towards the middle of the movie where he takes mm-hmm. her on the hockey date thing. Yeah. Let's let's talk about how the fact in Adam Sandler movies, Adam Sandler somehow begs really, chicks. really attractive women that are yeah. way out of his league. Like yeah. light year. And it, it, there's a meme about this because like if you look at pictures going to back, like Adam Sandler's the type of guy that gets denied at IHOP. And if you've ever been to an IHOP, it's not a classy <laughs> joint. And the fact that he is getting denied at IHOP, but in his movies is like really killing it and and wheeling. As we like to say in the hockey world, some uh, some nice bunnies. Um, I would say he's not a beauty, and I don't think he's scoring top shelf with those, <laughs> you know, those girls. And so, yeah, I'm kind of uh, I find that very strange that he does that uh, in his movies. I got yeah, yeah, like we, we were talking about him dressing like a homeless person. One of my notes is just the fuck is that hoodie all about? <laughs> yeah. Well, and it, it's funny because like. It's not even like he he charms or sweet talks. Like she just falls for him, right? Like she, like he loses the bet with the shooting the puck down the ice, and then she's like, "Happy, I didn't see it go in," and just like falls for him. And, it's and like, then we get the best scene in the movie, which is the Zamboni guy singing <laughs> yeah. to endless, endless love. love. Yeah, friends <laughs> singing endless love in the dark. <laughs> but yeah, that was very very funny. Um. But yeah, uh, at the Cleveland Classic, another one of the tournaments, his old boss shows up, the guy with the nail in his head, and uh, ends up having a run-in with Shooter, which will will play into the uh, movie later. 
And then one thing I, you know, I for all the times I've seen this movie, I totally forgot about this. Where uh, he was on the green, he's about to tee off, and he looks at his caddy. He's like, "You got the ball," and the caddy like winds up the thing, and it's his underwear. <laughs> and like I remember the underwear scene, and that it's his freshly washed underwear. But what I didn't remember was the quick cut to him just kind of bare ass. ass. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I, I did not remember that, so that was something that stuck out. I think um, the highlight of the golf stuff is where we're kind of at after the Zamboni guy is when yeah. they do the Pepsi Pro Am in San Fran with Bob Barker and mm-hmm. happen. I feel like this is like the iconic scene of this movie. Like I love the part where he's like. I want to punch that guy in the face, but I'll get in trouble. I bet you get that a lot on Let's Make a Deal. And Bob Barker's like, it's the price is right, Happy. And he's like, oh. And like, yeah. You just know off the bat, it's like foreshadowing. These well, two guys are not going to get along. And, and not only that, like I love this tour because uh, the jackass guy. And I want to shout, jackass. I want to shout, I want to shout him out. Yes. <laughs> I want to shout him out because uh, Joe Flaherty. Or Joe uh, Flaherty, sorry. Yeah. He was a teacher at the college I went to uh, back in 05, and so I knew him, I met him, great dude. Total polar opposite of what you'd expect from... Was he having... like, hey, I was the... Not at all. Guy on you met no Flaherty? You never told yeah. me this, Brett. Sorry. That is amazing. Re- he was Guy Cavallaro on SCTV back in the day. Yeah, how, oh could, you not tell, how could you not tell <laughs> Phil? He will tell He will tell people that he knows a guy that knows Joe Flaherty. Um <laughs> But what no, I, I, about, I love Joe Flaherty. Like when I saw, like, yeah, for some reason I wrote Eugene Levy, but yeah, it's it's Joe Flaherty. Another, another thing <laughs> I love about his character in this movie is like he's he's just like obsessed with shooter. Like I love after he cost Happy the tour, like he's having the the payoff with Shooter, and he's like, "Hey, you want to go get some Red Lobster?" And Shooter's like, "Yeah, I got uh, I got something else going on." He's like, "Shooter," he like grabs him for a second. He's like, "I thought we were gonna be friends." <laughs> you, well, we gotta we, we gotta talk about the bob barker scene though yeah like, yeah yeah for so, sure because that happens after the bob barker because yeah. of this guy calling like yeah like calling like jackass. Happy names you jackass <laughs> um there's the best line in the whole movie in my opinion he's like you know what's driving me crazy you not putting the ball in the hole and he's like stop pushing me bob he's like no way you're as bad at hockey as you're at golf he's like now you're gonna get it bobby <laughs> that's where they have their 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 fight scene which i i absolutely love i love how yes. bob barker just beats the shit out of this guy that is very clearly like happy he he trains himself at the 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 baseball uh you know that yeah. the batting cages by getting hit with baseballs yeah. and yeah. he he takes a seriously uh, pretty savage beating from like Bob Barker, who's oh like, yeah, 16. Barker's got some hands. Well, and, yeah, and I love I love the shot of like the fisticuffs where he's like jabbing, 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 <laughs> and he winds up and cracks him. But yeah, and you get to hear Bob Barker say "bitch." Come on, yeah, man. exactly that, so and great. that's really the the chef's kiss of the scene. It's the climax of the movie because let's, let's because uh, like Sandler like gets gets a headbutt on him and like knocks him out, and he's like, "Press is wrong, bitch." And then uh, Bob Barker like just happens to snap awake and beat the shit out of him, and then yeah, we get some good <laughs> stuff there. Um, so then yeah, there there are consequences from this one. Uh, he doesn't magically evade the consequences this time. He gets suspended for a month, um, which it pisses off both him and Shooter at the same time because Shooter wants him off the tour and Happy wants to play so he can get the rest of the money. Um, and then he's kind of like lamenting to Virginia in the 
in the diner and just I love uh, the I just want to say I love the scene between Shooter and Happy where Shooter's like, You're in big trouble, pal. I eat pieces of shit like you for breakfast. And he's like, yeah. You eat pieces of shit? shit for breakfast. Yeah, so that's that's right after this. So so Happy gets a, a subway sponsorship. Yeah. And that gets him the rest of the money to get the house. So he goes sees his grandma. And he's like, we're going to go get the house back. And then they go, and it's been auctioned off to Shooter. Shooter has bought the house now. Let's talk. The Subway commercial, by the way, super homoerotic. Talk about a whole worst Subway mascot. Or not the worst mascot Subway's ever had. (laughs) Boing. Boing. Oh, Jared. Silly guy. Uh. But yeah, so Shooters bought the house, and then yeah, we get that line. That that was a classic line. The you eat piece of shit for breakfast. Really good stuff. And then <laughs> Happy realizes that if he's gonna win the big tournament, which he has to for the house, because he ends up making a deal with Shooter that if he beats him, he gets the house. Shooter beats him, he'll quit golf. Um, so now he has to go beg for help from Chubbs to learn to maximize like the short game which is his Achilles heel. And we got some fun stuff with the mini golf, some classic lines that we've all quoted. You're going to die, clown! Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And they're like, it's all about the happy place. Find your happy place. Which is so cheesy. Oh, dude, I love the happy happy place montage. There's so funny. (laughs) The the little person in the cowboy suit. Yeah, (laughs) on the unicycle. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) And then uh, there's Virginia in, like, lingerie, and there's Grandma all happy with all this money. And the (laughs) reason... I went through it and mentioned each thing is because it comes in later. It comes back later, <laughs> yeah. Um, but then, yeah, right after is the the scene where Chubbs dies, and there's a lot to to talk about here. One thing I want to mention is like when when he offers the gift to Chubbs, he's like, "I got you a little something." You just the genuine joy, like God bless him. I think it's Carl Weathers, right? God bless yeah. him because he he just like he's so happy. He like. He's chuckling. He's like, oh, this looks nice. And, just like, <laughs> and he's just like showing him his storage and his coffee table. He's like, oh, are we going to do some cocaine? Like, what is he excited about? You know what I mean? He's well, like, oh, and then as, Chubbs, as Chubbs is opening up the gift, he's like, you know that gator that got your hand? I got his head. I got his head. <laughs> <laughs> and he opens it up, sees his gator's head, gets all freaked out, and yeah, backpedals through the window. Well, and like, I honestly feel like, you know, let, let's talk about this. If you lost your hand to an animal fairly traumatic probably wouldn't want to see the head of the animal yeah. like it would probably be very scary to see that and it would hurt your feelings and probably you sure. freak out anyways but <laughs> it just so happens that he was standing directly in front of a large very low probably not builder grade window um and he falls <laughs> out of it and dies yeah that window was about knee height now that i yeah. think about it. yeah and when that's it, how, that, you couldn't have children in that house yeah. <laughs> When he falls out the window, like immediately there's this random dude on the street that's just like shaking his head no. Well, he's always there. Every time Happy's like swearing and yelling, there's always that one guy who's shaming him. You well, see it, it throughout the movie. And he's actually there in the next scene, which I wanted to talk about, because they're at the they're at the tour and uh Shooter's basically hamming up Chubbs' death and saying, I'm gonna dedicate my performance to Chubbs' memory. And Happy's like no, I'm I'm playing for Chubbs. And then he's like going to fight him or whatever. And the girl stops and she's like, beat him on the course. And he's like, yeah, that's right. I'm going to beat your ass on the course. And Shooter's like, yeah, right. And Grizzly Adams had a beard. And that same dude's like, Grizzly like, Adams did have a beard. <laughs> <laughs> so random. That was so great. <laughs> I, remember, like, I remember watching that and being like, Wait, wait a minute. And then, yeah, like the, the guys just said, Chris Adams did have a beard. <laughs> yeah. So then we get the final tour showdown with Shooter. And uh, 
we we see Happy's new and improved short game in action. He's like, Happy learned how to putt. Uh oh. <laughs> and uh, so he's keeping pace with Shooter, and we get uh, one of the final montages, if not the final montage of the movie, of them kind of going back and forth, and him keeping pace. And then we slowly start to see Shooter unravel here. Um, he starts to whiff on a couple strokes, trying to imitate like Happy's style of like hitting the drive. And he yeah. whiffs on a couple, and so he starts to kind of get rattled by that. And finally, he goes nuclear, and he has to recruit jackass guy, uh, Joe Flaherty, again, to come in and hit Happy with a car. <laughs> um, My favorite ended- tantrum is when he smashes the beach ball with his club, and he's like, yeah, he's he's like, like stuck to it. <laughs> it's just, it's so like, it's just like, like I've been that guy before, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's just it's great. <laughs> um, so uh, Jackass guy ends up smashing into a TV tower and running off, just like Jack. It's pretty funny, but uh, that comes into play later because now that Happy has been injured, he starts to tailspin, and he, uh, you know, he, he can't hit his long drive anymore, and he's missing shots. At one point, I love this part. He gets mad and like. Swings his club and like throws it as hard as he can, and the caddy just kind of like and like catches it. <laughs> um, and like here's where he tries to summon the happy place, but now Shooter keeps showing up in the memories, and it's just it's just funny because uh, I I forget what he did to the little person. Did he just like kick him or something? I don't remember. But he uh, he starts making out with the girl and like even grandma with the Gene Simmons mask. Yeah, he's like sucking <laughs> on the tongue. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so so Happy's having a hard time uh, getting getting to his happy place, <clears throat> and then like this is where like I get the movie. It's a tight movie. They had to kind of you know turn things around, but like the the moment of going from like Happy in a tailspin to Happy completely turning his game around was just Grandma showing up and just yeah. being like Happy. If you don't win, it's okay. And then like that's it. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, thanks for the inspiration, Grandma. Um, now he's gonna rally. His happy place is back. He's got all all the the lingerie and the money and the little person on a unicycle, and it's it's all great. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Sorry about that. Uh, one thing I want to mention here: there's a random dude in the crowd, and I I don't know why this scene is even in the movie. It serves no point, but it's just a random dude in the crowd that's like, "Golf jacket, yo, it's happy. Shooter's gonna choke." <laughs> it's just like I love that joke. <laughs> I, like it's funny and stuff but like I like from a movie perspective like was that a favor I don't know I'd have to look into it like was that just a yeah, favor for a buddy I was, I was wondering about that too I forgot to look into that but I, Adam Sandler is notorious for just getting his buddies into you know into his movies so uh, so I yeah like that stuck out to me and I'm like yeah that's mm. probably just like one of his buddies was like yeah sure fuck it I'll put you in the movie I'll give yeah. you a line because I think too, because uh, like, what is it? If you have dialogue, then you have like, you you have to get paid more if you have a yeah uh, right a, a speaking dialogue. part yeah, uh, and that's like a rule through through the Screen Actors Guild or something. So yeah, so but I mean, it ended up being prophetic because Shooter indeed does start to choke, um, starts to lose his mind a little bit more at a time, and then uh, has the moment where he has to hit the ball off, and uh, I quote him: "Frankenstein's fat foot." Your <laughs> ball struck my foot. Yeah. Well, and then oh, uh, that, that dude, the dude who plays uh, uh, Happy Gilmore's old boss, mm-hmm. he was he played Jaws yes. in like old uh, Bond movies. Bond movies. Yep. Yep. For sure. And like, I love his line here where uh, 
because he's like, Happy's two up on you, Shooter. And Shooter's like, oh, great, you can count. And he's like, and you can count on me waiting for you in the parking lot. <laughs> well, we actually get the best scene ever is when Brent was talking about, obviously, Happy lands the miraculous shot of the... Like, through over. the TV tower, clink, clink, like, revisiting the mini golf kind of yeah. obstacle course, yeah. Obviously, we have to have the huge win. And I love that what Brett was talking about is where he steals Happy's golden jacket. And we see this mob chasing after him. And part of that mob is Mr. Larson, his old yeah. construction. And he's the one that's all like, like, like a Viking running in, you know, probably yeah. murder. You, another thing I picked up on this watch through was how decrepit uh, that actor is. Because he had, like, he mm-hmm. had some kind of... Degenerative disorder for sure. Yeah, but yeah. like it's it's you know it what's what caused him to to be so huge, and so like when in that scene when he's doing that Viking run, you can clearly tell like either he's on some sort of dolly or he's just green screened over it, um, because yeah, like and it, there's actually mo- moments in the movie where you can see him standing with a cane or he's got his arm around somebody propping him up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just never really picked up on that. I was just like, wow, what a big scary dude. But then you realize right. like. Oh no, he can barely move. Yeah. So then we uh we get the wind down scene. Happy's now won the tournament. He's got uh everything's all happy do and uh they saved the house after all and grandma's gonna move back in there. And then we get <laughs> Happy's got a force ghost scene with Chubbs, Abe Lincoln, and the alligator. <laughs> um okay. And then uh yeah, that's a wrap. Some great music plays us over the credits, and uh, that's Happy Gilmore, 90 minutes down the hatch. We probably took longer talking about it right now than the movie actually was, but <laughs> um, yeah, really good stuff. Um, for rankings, uh, as I said at the start, this movie kind of hits on all of the, the points of comedy that I like, um, and it does so while also being cool. Like there's cool moments like the jersey punch is is cool like the couch the couch high jump scene like like it's cool stuff that I'm like oh yeah that's awesome it's not just like cheesy stupid slapstick comedy and it has great music over it and you could tell like Sandler was at this point in his career where he was trying to build up like a movie resume he'd already kind of built up like this audio comedy resume with a bunch of like cds and albums that he put out doing audio comedy and now he's like trying to really make his mark in the movie industry and he'd he'd followed up billy madison which was a big success and this movie outdoes it in uh, pretty much every way you can outdo it in my opinion um yeah as we said if if this movie's ever on for some reason i'm never going to not watch it i'm i'm probably always going to watch it um so i'm gonna I'm going to stick to my theme. I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10 as well and go Crazy 8s today. Yeah, you know what? I think that there it's one of those movies that if you like Sandler's brand of comedy, a comedy, you're going to really enjoy his kind of juvenile, silly way of looking at golf and, and life. Um, a lot of people probably would find this not funny and forgettable, to be honest with you. Um, but I think that there is a lot of surprising funny randomness that i really like about sandler's comedy uh, i like a lot of this stuff just comes out of nowhere i i really like that i will say the the biggest detractor to this movie for me is just the the idea that this like 90s loser can become like a super pro golfer like i there's this like thing about this movie that i kind of love and also hate is that like 
it, it, Sailor represents that 90s douche bro that I really don't like in a lot of ways. But this movie is so funny, it's hard to not like. And I think that it, it gets better as the movie goes and Sandler gets more personable as the movie goes on. And I think it's a, a classic comedy and I'm going to give it a strong 7.9. I think that it, it's really funny and I, I love to watch it. So yeah, it's going to get a high rating for me. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, it's a, it's a classic. You know, it's it's just such a classic. Like, you know, like you said, Brett, like everybody, you know, everybody has seen this movie. I remember like watching this movie and like it being like a quiet part and my mom being in the kitchen and me being in the living room. And then all of a sudden it just like blares out like, suck my white ass ball. <laughs> and my mom just like, what are you watching? Um, yeah, great movie. It starts out a little slow, but once it like it, it, when it ramps up, like there were several like laugh out loud moments in the movie for me. Um, and, you know, this and Billy Madison were kind of, you know, Adam Sandler's like one, two, screw point, you to, right? well, and it was like his screw you to Lauren Michaels. Cause he had mm-hmm. just, he had, this is like, he did those two movies back to back after being fired from SNL. Um, and I believe I might be wrong on this, but I believe he had actually pitched like the, the kind of the basic premise of this movie as like a character or a sketch on Saturday Night Live and, and got rejected. So, you know, it's, it's kind of a, a, a bit of a redemption story for Adam Sandler as well. Uh, that being said, you know, classic movie, uh, you know, watching it again, I'm just like, okay, it's a little juvenile, but you know, when we were kids, this was fucking hilarious. This movie was the shit. Like how, uh, how many times on the playground where you're like, are you too good for your home? Go yeah. home, you know, yeah, and, and yeah, talking exactly. about, you know, Bob Barker beating the shit out of Adam or, Sandler. Or like, tap, 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 tap a room, yeah, you know, like a little tappy. Yeah. Like, a lot of quotable lines for sure. <laughs> Yeah, and then there's things that like you like you forget about this movie, and you're just like, oh yeah, like I like I I I kind of forgot that like this was the Shooter McGavin movie, and I was just like, when they introduced his character, I'm like, oh, I am so excited, like you know, like <laughs> like. Fun fact: know? This actually is uh, was rewritten by Judd Apatow. Um, yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why it's so funny, and there's so many like just constant jokes. Yeah, yeah, so. Uh, I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. Like, it's a classic 90s, you know, 90s comedy. Uh, it's, again, one of those movies they just they don't really make movies like this anymore or even attempt to. Um, but uh, all in all, solid effort. And it harkens back to a time when you'd see Adam Sandler's name on the opening credits and be like, oh, wow, this should be good. Well, this is his favorite movie and his, 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 his opinion. It's his best movie. And he is not wrong. I think it... Uh... It's the tip top of his kind of style of comedy, and I think he does a great job in this. Yes, absolutely. Um, well, gentlemen, I think that's going to about do it for uh, this week's episode. Um, once again, people listening, if you don't follow us yet on social media, please do so. At the Soners POV, Instagram and Twitter. Check out our YouTube. Check out our Spotify. And uh, next week will be fun. Um, we're gonna finally tackle a Quentin Tarantino movie. We're gonna do Django Unchained. Oh, and yeah! I've been wanting to do that for a while now. And uh, our song, we're gonna we're gonna take it back old school, and we're gonna do uh, Changes by Tupac. So oh, get get yourself episode. ready for uh, a good episode. We're gonna have a good time. 
And uh, thank you for listening this week, and we hope you'll join us next week. So uh, for my illustrious co-host, my name is Brett. This has been the Stoner's Point of View. We will see you next week. Au revoir. Bye-bye.